You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. My special guest today is blogger extraordinaire Ryan Beauchene and his wonderful crazy dog, Crusoe. Everybody knows Adventures of the Wiener Dog Extraordinaire, Crusoe. So we're going to be interested to talk to uh, Ryan a little bit about, about Crusoe, obviously. Let's see if Crusoe wants to join in the conversation, uh, talk a little bit about the book, and also talk about how it all came together, how both the uh, the blogging and the writing came together and putting together the book. So we're going to have some fun tonight. It'll be a great episode. So everybody just hang tight. We'll come back right after these commercial breaks. This is Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats. Because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Natural Treats. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted natural meaty bones. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Joining me now is Ryan Beauchene and the Wonder Dog Crusoe. Welcome to the show. Hey, Tim. How's it going? Thanks for having us. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So congratulations on the book. The book, once again, is Adventures of the Wiener Dog Extraordinaire Crusoe, the Celebrity Dot. That's right. Yeah. And <laughs> Tell us you, a- yeah. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about you know the book itself. Uh, well, it's a it's a little coffee table book, but um, it has hundreds of pages, hundreds of photos. So it's not you know it's not just pictures. It's something you can sit down and read with as well. And um, it's just those little stories, kind of almost in a blog format, something you can kind of pick up and read from any point. And a big part of it is also his kind of just for fun recipes by Chef Crusoe that you shouldn't really literally follow, but are funny. <laughs> when putting together the book, obviously, let's go back to the beginning. How did the the whole uh, blog happen? How did Crusoe become such a international superstar? And obviously, your uh, your site's been um, the uh, best pet blog of uh, 2013 and 2014, so overwhelming success. So walk us through how all that came about. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know how it all happened in exactly myself. But we started the blog about five years ago, I guess. Just something, you know, totally for fun, just to kind of share some photos with friends and family. And, uh, you know, it just kind of started getting a following all by itself and then kept growing. And, you know, we started to see that, oh, maybe we should take this more seriously. So I started putting some more time into it and then it just uh, kept going from there. That's unreal. It's so fascinating how all that comes about. So from the time you put the first blog out there, when did you see it really start escalating? Did it happen immediately or within a matter of a month or two, you started getting fans and followers? How did that come Um, about? You know, like our first year, I remember looking at the stats still, and it was like exponential month over month. And it's kind of just always grown that way. So, you know, we started off with, well, nobody reading it. But I just kind of shared it on my my personal Facebook page, got a few of my friends to follow it, and then it, it literally just grew by itself from there. 
Now, once it started growing from there, did they uh, did Crusoe and you come up with the ideas of what you wanted to tackle and share with everyone, or were people chiming in saying, "Hey, you no, know, this is uh, I want to see more about the recipes or about Crusoe doing this, that, or the other thing." You know, people didn't really explicitly say what they wanted to see more of, but we could kind of just judge from the reaction of people, you know, what's kind of popular and what they like and did a few different things like that. You know, we started off with Chef Crusoe. He did some picture blog posts doing his recipes. Those were really popular. And we came all the way to, you know, like a little 30-minute video recipe by Chef Crusoe. Just because people really like that one. Now, I don't want to spoil all the super recipes and things in there, but give us a taste of what we're talking about. Are we talking about uh, recipes for your dog, recipes for you and others? What kind of recipes is he uh, got up his uh, little paw there? I mean, they're, they're technically human recipes, I guess, but there was Crusoe's twist. His twists it, are... It like uh, squirrel steak is one of them. <laughs> So uh, everything uh, prepared uh, a human style, but uh, perhaps, uh, well, some people may like some squirrel steak. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe. yeah, maybe so. I think uh, I know some people that actually uh, that I'm related to, but that's a whole different topic. It's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> How is the blog now? You've been doing it for quite a while. Is it still fun and enjoyable? Is it? Do you see a lot of challenges in trying to keep it fresh and interesting? How does that yeah. come about? I mean, there's, there's definitely some challenges now, like just kind of always coming up with new ideas because, you know, it's getting to the point where I've covered quite a bit now. But, you know, it's I'm doing it full-time, so it's it's my job now. So I kind of, I don't have a choice. I have to come up with something. And that pressure somehow pushes me to always come up with something. You know, there's never a time when I can't think of anything, really. So for now, it, it's, it's requiring all my time, but I'm keeping it going. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> There you go. So for our listeners that are envious, saying, man, I want to I want to blog. I want to be able to quit my my day job, <laughs> though, though you had a pretty good day job. You did blogs and marketing. Obviously, you've had a great background in that. But how does someone do that? How does that come a, a leap of faith? How does that come about? Because I know a lot of folks that write blogs, they do it for fun. Some do it uh, to attract sponsors. And yeah. obviously, some want to attract book deals. But how do you go from being in corporate America, we'll say, to uh, running your own blog and uh, writing about something you're uh, excited about yeah well um i mean i'm not ready to retire by any means right now like it's barely paying the bills i'd say but um so i mean you have to have that flexibility and uh you know right now i don't have kids or family or anything like that so you know deciding to leave my day job would definitely be influenced if i had kids or something like that Exactly. Um, but i mean it's about getting the traffic numbers on your website and being able to sell something to your fans or sell advertising on your website. We got a, a bit of money from the book deal. So it was kind of right when we got the book deal and I had to devote a lot of time to putting together the book that I decided, you know, I'll leave my, my job for now and do this for as, as long as I can sort of thing. But I don't know how sustainable it's going to be for too long. We'll, see. we'll think positive about that. Maybe uh, yeah. I'd love, love for you to continue to do that. So then talk to us about, you mentioned uh, tracking your numbers and seeing them escalate and tracking the hits and social media. As a writer now, you know, putting together this blog and writing about it, we know those numbers influence us as writers. We've got to be cognizant of that. And we know mm-hmm. that we've got to keep the topics fresh and exciting. But how much does that drive what you are writing? Is it more of you write what you think your fans will be interested in and let the numbers take care of themselves? Or is it more of, hey, here's a here's a hot topic in the news today that's trending. Maybe I should see what Crusoe has to say about it. 
Yeah, that's actually a really good question. You know, I try to play off some things that are popular just because they, they do the best, really. But I like to try and be very original in our content as well and not just recreate everything that's popular in today either. Like one thing that drives me crazy about TV shows nowadays, once one concept is proven, every network does their own version of it. You know, all the gold shows, all the housewife shows. And so it's there's nothing original anymore. It's all just versions of each other. That's so, right. It's kind of a good mix of, you know, really original content, I'd say. And then, you know, people have some, some popular culture things now and then just to kind of keep it fresh. But overall, I'd say it's a really diverse mix of content. There you go. And I think it's important for writers. I mean, one thing I talk about, and we'll talk the next section about writing in general, but, you know, it's a business. You have to be cognizant of what's going on out there and what your competition is and what is trending and, yeah. and what your hits, you know, what was popular with your fans, these type of things. But on the other hand, if you're writing what you enjoy, if you're writing what you that comes from your heart, the numbers yeah. will often take care of themselves. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, listen, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, we'll come back, continue our conversation about Crusoe, talk to Ryan a little bit more about the uh, the book and his writing, and uh, learn a little bit more about what Crusoe's up to today and what we should expect. So, everybody, just hang tight. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Uh, we're here talking to uh, blogger and writer and author Ryan Bouchain and uh, talk to him about his latest book, The Adventures of the Wiener Dog Extraordinaire Crusoe, The Celebrity Dotson. Now, tell me, uh, Ryan, a little bit about putting together this particular book. How did you go about selecting the stories that you felt would be compelling? How did you go about selecting the photos? Did you do the majority of it or was it a uh, combination with your editors or uh, did your editors just said, well, we'll pick the top 20 and go from there? <laughs> 
Uh, it was, for the most part, it was all up to me, really. Uh, they just said, you know, they wanted sort of this percentage of new content that hadn't been seen before. So, you know, we had to go out and do some new photo shoots and things like that. But uh, it's really a mix of, you know, some of our classic blog posts that people have really enjoyed and are just nice to kind of keep as a keepsake in the book. And then also some brand new ones that people have never seen before. There you go. And so putting together the content of the of the book itself, both what you have in the file base and what you've uh, written before, as well as going out and doing the new stuff, how long yeah. of a process is that? Was it something that you put together in a matter of uh, a couple of months, or did it take a much longer period of time? It was, you know, it was supposed to be a month, but it took me two. So it was really short turnaround time, actually, from the time we got the book deal itself to when they needed the content. It was pretty much like we signed the book deal and they needed it a month later, but I was able to push it to, to two months to get it all done. So uh, still very, very, like you said, a very quick turnaround time. Yeah. So yeah. stepping so back. That's why I had to leave my job. <laughs> just to get the book done. I yeah. understand. Hey, I understand that. It's a full-time commitment. That's for sure. Well, let me ask you then about the book deal itself. How did that come about? Was it uh, you had the great idea and you went out and pursued uh, an agent or publishing house to put together the book? Or did they come to you and say, hey, we like what you're doing and uh, we want some more of that? Well, you know, a couple of years into the blog and it was getting a bit more serious, that's kind of when I decided, oh, I'd, I'd really love to get a book out of this. And that was kind of my goal from that point forth. And um, I'd say about a year before we actually got the book deal was when I started to you know, really think about it and how we would do it. I had started to put together some little proposals just myself and things like that. I hadn't even got to the point of actually sending them to agents or editors yet when we got contacted by an agent from New York. And uh, it was the first agent that uh, contacted us and everything worked out really well. And we signed on with them. And then, um, you know, a couple of weeks later, we had a, a book deal on the table. Wow. So you were putting everything together and sort of it manifested on its own. The uh, agent had read yeah, about Crusoe yeah, and right, the stories actually, and yeah. stuff. Wow, that's yeah, great. Yeah. I love how that happens. So they, helped, they helped kind of review my proposal and everything like that, but I had the basis of it. So, yeah, it was pretty efficient from the point we signed on with them. That's great. Now, putting together the book itself, did you find the, uh, other than having to step away from your job and taking uh, two months of your time to put it together, <laughs> did you find the process from the time that you signed the contract for the book deal, putting it together, editing it, getting it out to market, how did you find that process? Was it uh, painful for you? Was it a nice, easy flow process? Or you know, were there some lessons learned that you never expected from uh, putting all this together? Um, you know, it was pretty much how I would have expected, I guess. It wasn't a pain, that's for sure, but it wasn't a, a joy every minute either. The writing part, I always really enjoy, so that's fun. Probably, actually, the longest part of the process is just editing all those photos in Photoshop. They just take forever. And was that mostly up to you to put that, edit them, and get them all put together? Yeah, I had to, you know, sort through the thousands and thousands of photos that we have. Pick out the best ones, you know, enhance them a bit with Photoshop, and then uh, put them on on a Dropbox or something to send to them. So that was the longest part. Right. So now, obviously, we talked a little bit about some of the changes in your life since all this happened. How has it been? I mean, could you have ever fathomed all this happening? Uh, where do you see it going from here? Uh, give us an idea of uh, what kind of life changes you've gone through since uh, yeah, Bruce decided I mean, to be a superstar. <laughs> It's been a, a really amazing experience, I can say for sure. And, you know, it, I'm not really the one who's famous. It's my dog. So 
it's still kind of strange for me to go, you know, to a book signing in uh, Dallas where we had over 300 people come just to pet my dog for a couple minutes. Like it's, it's kind of mind boggling at some point. <laughs> it's, been, it's been really cool. And, you know, just seeing all the people who really have been waiting to meet Crystal for, for years and they finally get the chance to, and it's just, it's such a big deal for them. And it means a lot to them because a lot of people, you know, we've, we've given them a little laugh every day and it's it's not something big but it, it's something they really appreciate people especially people who are kind of going through something in difficult times in their life so it was really rewarding just to, to meet all the fans and everything and uh yeah in the future you know we're we're on a little bit of a break right now just because we finished up our book tour we did a lot of traveling and things last year so you know we're just kind of cruising right now uh, maybe something will come our way. We did start to get in a few very preliminary conversations about a TV show last year, so we might pick up from that point and see what will happen there. But yeah, That's amazing. Now, during a tour, did you guys rent a uh, large RV or bus to tour the nation of Delhi sites, <laughs> or did you hop planes, or how did that go about? No, we, we flew from city to city and just got you know, the regular rental car. There you go. But, uh, what, actually, one thing we did, which was, pretty good idea i guess was to work with the tourism associations of each city so like san francisco travel discover la so you know they covered our expenses in the city itself and helped us kind of explore all the best parts of the city which gave us some really awesome content to to share while we were on tour and uh you know covered our expenses so it was was a pretty good thing we had going there Right. And so that's fascinating. That's a great route to go forward. People are always looking for ways to uh, take care of everything. I mean, I, I know my last book came out in June and uh, my publishing house okay. did a great job of you know covering some of the expenses, but you, there's still some out of pocket. There's still some things you have to do no yeah. matter who you are as a writer. So tell us a little bit more about that tourism association. How did that come about? And also, uh, you know, what yeah. was their benefits? What, what did they get out of it? Yeah, well, um, you know, I had asked the publisher about doing a, a book tour, and to be honest, you know, it wasn't really in the budget. I guess because publishers nowadays, you know, the whole marketing budget is going towards online advertising and things like that. Yeah, yeah. online uh, and radio, guess, that's know, it. Yeah, paying for book tours isn't as, uh, as good of an ROI anymore, I guess, which, uh, you know, is understandable. But uh, it was still something I really wanted to do because we had so many fans in the U.S. that have been wanting to meet us and asking for a tour, so... I knew I just had to make it happen. So I put together some little proposals. I started off by contacting some big hotel chains and we finally got the residents in of Marriott to um, sponsor the book tour. So they are covering all our accommodations to every city we went to. That part was good. And then for, you know, in-city expenses, like getting around, doing things like that, I decided to work with the tourism associations. So, you know, Discover LA, San Francisco Travel, Discover Atlanta, Visit Dallas. We contacted all of them, sent them a little proposal, and the agreement was pretty much just that, you know, we do a few posts, kind of highlighting some of the dog-friendly aspects of each city. So, you know, we're promoting their city and the, the cool dog-friendly things to do, and in return, we uh, get our expenses to the city covered. So, you know, it was, it was a huge win-win because, you know, we're producing some, some pretty cool content in each city. We have our itinerary set out exactly, like, this day, 9 a.m., go do this, 10 a.m., go do that. So it was all nicely laid out. We didn't have to, you know, break our backs trying to figure out what we're going to do each day and things like that. So nicely organized, good content that was great for us to share, got some good numbers, and of course was good for the cities as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. I have to ask. I'm going to pick your brain a little bit more on this because I, you know, hopefully <laughs> I, I'll steal this. I didn't. No, I won't do that. But I do have to ask. You know, no, how did how did that sneak in your mind? Because obviously, uh, sponsors are a big part of what's going on out there today, especially for bloggers. It's yeah. much more than just uh, putting up some comments on your site. Uh, serious bloggers mm-hmm. have to have serious have fun they're writing so they can get content and write on a regular, everyday basis. So how did mm-hmm. you come up with the idea of, okay, uh, I need a book tour. How do I get sponsors? How do I get people to want to see me and, and Crusoe out there? Well, you know, we had the demand of people who who wanted to meet him just from the blog and social media and things like that. It was just a matter of us being able to cover enough expenses to do this tour. Because if we had to pay for the whole thing out of pocket ourselves, we wouldn't be able to afford it. So I I knew I had to find a hotel sponsor, and I, I wasn't even sure at first if I'd be able to, but a big thing right now in the digital marketing world is this whole influencer marketing thing that you speak of. So you know, people who are kind of influential on different social media sites and doing things with them, there's a more natural form of advertising than just uh, the regular push advertising that we always see. You know, when one of your friends is recommending something, it's better than seeing an ad by the brand. Yeah, absolutely. And so to, you know, to sort of recap for our listeners out there, you know, as you mentioned, you have to come up with not only the idea, you have to come up with what kind of sponsor that would benefit you, but also you've got to come up with that detailed proposal. It's a lot, I'm assuming, a lot like writing a mm-hmm. proposal for the book. Yeah, I mean, that's right. I, uh, well, I'll tell you a little bit more about my strategy. <laughs> I do up my proposals and then I'll send it to all the people I'm hoping to work with, let's say all the big brand hotels. And uh, there's some simple like plugins you can get on your web browser to see if someone opened your email. So, you know, they don't necessarily list all the, the top people's emails for each company. So I kind of take a guess based on LinkedIn, the first and last name, send them an email. And then with that tracking thing, if it, if it shows that they opened the email, even if they didn't reply, I know that email was right and that they got it. And then I follow it up with a phone call. Very cool. Good job. Well, hey, maybe you've already thought of this. Maybe you already got it in plan, but we want to see more about you and we want to hear more about Crusoe and get more books out there and TV deals. But to fund, I mean, have you ever thought about doing uh, a coaching or doing webinars to teach people about how to attract sponsors? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had a couple people recommend I should do some sort of um, yeah webinar, seminar, or something like that. Absolutely. You know, I, I think it's I brilliant. Think one, I, one day I'll probably, I'll probably yeah. consider it, I think. I'll encourage you all to join in. I'll listen in on that one. That's for sure. Cause it's a, uh, that's the thing you know, people are looking for, uh, especially if they're writing blogs or they're writing articles, they've got a website, they've got something that, and they're trying to be full-time writers, but as you know, it's, yeah. it's tough to make a living out there sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah. you know, so you're looking for, but you can't just simply pick up the phone or drop an email to the head of marketing of uh, Purina or uh, Marriott and say, Hey, I'm a cool guy and I got a cool dog. So give me some money so I can go travel the United States. <laughs> you, you, you've got to have a lot more too to that. far off from what I did though. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, well, when you got a superstar in your corner, like Crusoe, maybe so, maybe just uh, show a picture of him. They're like, Oh, okay. Here's, you know, here's 50, 50 K no problem. Yeah. But uh, you know, there's a lot more to it. And uh, I think a lot yeah. of folks want to get to that level. They want to figure out how to do that. It's important for writers, as you said, uh, especially when uh, the marketing budgets of the publishing houses get tighter and tighter, we've got to find some ways to get out there and, and meet our fans meet our clients and meet the people that read our articles so uh yeah sure. yeah keep me posted if you do that i think it's a great idea yeah now, right squeaking right there yeah absolutely I think, 
So I have to ask you then, I got to talk about Crusoe. What's Crusoe think about all this? Is it a good thing? Does he like the glam and glamour and the uh, being the superstar and seeing all the people? Or is it more of, okay, I'll see a few people and then give me my uh, my treats and let me go uh, have some fun? <laughs> um, you know, he's he's really good to work with. He's, he's always been just a really super calm and easygoing dog. So, you know, changing cities every three days, driving around, picking up rental cars, meeting hundreds of people on our, our book signings, like, I was totally impressed with how well he did. Like, he just kind of sat on that table, let 300 people pet him, take a photo with him. You know, he got little treats and everything, so he, he stayed motivated. You know, plus he's signing the books. He did really well at that, too. So, yeah, he's, he's a pretty amazing dog. There you go. So when he signs the books, is it, I'm um, assuming you have a little stamp uh, that's made of his paw? Is that how you go about doing that? his actual paw. Oh, you do the actual paw. <laughs> he literally does it, yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I do have to ask you, I'll wrap it up here and, and let you get going here, but Crusoe, how did Crusoe, did, how did you become his human companion? How did all that happen for you? Like, how did we get Crusoe? Yeah, how did, how did he come into your life? We got him from a breeder in Montreal, Canada. So, um, actually, <laughs> little backstory, just real quick. I actually didn't want a Dachshund. It was my girlfriend who wanted one. <laughs> and I, I thought I was a big dog person. So she was bugging me for, I'd say, over a year to get a dachshund. And I finally gave in. So you know, we, we found a reader in Montreal. We went to go pick him up. He was the last puppy of the litter, which I think is because he's kind of quiet and really calm. You know, he doesn't come running up to people to get pet or anything like that. So that's also why he's so good to work with. He's just really calm. But my girlfriend and I, we have pretty easygoing personalities ourselves. So we kind of related really well to him. And uh, yeah, we got him. He was the last puppy and he was raised in uh, Quebec near Montreal. So there's two lessons you've learned from this. One is that uh, the right and perfect animal will always find us. And it's often uh, the one we least expect. Yeah. And uh, two, the uh, the female in a relationship always gets what she wants. But that's just my thought. <laughs> it may be wrong. My wife is out of swinging distance here, so it works out all right for me here in the studio. So. <laughs> well, Ryan, right on this. That's right. Well, Ryan, where can we uh, where can our listeners pick up a copy of the book and keep track of what you and Crusoe have going on? Well, our website and blog is celebritydachshund.com. Uh, we have all our latest blog posts and videos there, as well as some links to, to buy the book. So you can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, in-store anywhere. So pretty easy to find. Excellent. Sounds great. Everybody go out and pick up a copy of the book. It's Adventures of the Wiener Dog Extraordinaire Crusoe, the Celebrity Dotson. And you can follow uh, all of his activities and everything he's got going on and follow what Ryan has in store for us as well. Uh, go to CelebrityDotson.com and we'll uh, post all that as well. Ryan, congratulations on all the success and everything that you and Crusoe are doing. Very excited about it and we'll look forward to seeing you guys in the future and keeping track of all your fun and exciting uh, things going on in your life. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate it. All right. Well, we're uh, coming to the end of the show today, but I want to thank everyone for uh, listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Uh, I'd also like to thank our sponsors and producers for making this show possible. To find out more about me, Tim Link, and the other guests I've interviewed on the Animal Rights Show, you can visit PetLifeRadio.com, click on the Animal Rights icon, and listen to your heart's content. Download all the wonderful episodes. And while you're there, make sure you check out all the wonderful hosts and shows. Uh, There's a plethora of them of great resources and great entertainment on Pet Life Radio. That's PetLifeRadio.com. If you have any questions for me or ideas for the show, please email me. You can email me at tim at petliferadio.com, and I'll be glad to answer your questions, entertain your comments, and bring on the people you want to hear from most. So until next time, 
write a great story about the animals in your life, put it in a blog, an article, or in a book. Who knows? You may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.